Welcome to Brain Milk Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre. And my name is Adrian Polk, and we got a great one today. We're going to be talking about pardons. So pardons are big in the news uh, recently. <laughs> uh, the New York Times has reported that Donald Trump wants to uh, pardon all of his right. adult children, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and Rudy Giuliani. Um, Let's just say right off the bat that uh, Donald Trump is 100% innocent of all wrongdoing. Everything against him is a witch hunt, but he's going to have to pardon himself, all of his lawyers, and all of his children. (laughs) And all of his known associates. But don't let that fool you. He's totally innocent. Yeah. The most important thing here to talk about is that, A, none of them have actually been charged with anything. So that opens up uh, quite a bit of... uh, a uh, can of worms and uh, the logical and legal implications for his uh, pardons. But uh, so uh, before we get into the uh, main topic of today, we got some funny news to go over. Um, Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani are still trying to overturn the election results. Uh, right now, Rudy Giuliani today claimed that the Georgia results are proven to be a fraud, which is what he tweeted. Uh, in all caps, uh, which is pretty funny. So what do you think about that? <laughs> do you think Georgia yeah. has been proven to be a fraud right. with the Republican governor who certified the election? Yeah. Well, he was tweeting basically like threats at the at Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. He hates the uh, secretary of state. Both of those are Republicans. And it's funny because now like uh, people are tweeting at like Brian Kemp, how he should be locked up and thrown in prison or murdered. <laughs> I think uh, one of Trump's lawyers, uh, yeah, what's his name, Geno- Gen- Gen- Genova or something like that. Uh, he got into some hot water. He had to resign from his like I guess some club that he's a part of. But um, oh, it's like yeah, country club. Yeah, it's country yeah. He, club. he was complaining that he was being canceled from his elite country right, club. Canceled. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it's a. It's annoying because, like, all of these lawyers, right, they have to have a bar certification. Like, why is the bar, uh, you know, in all the states that they live in and stuff, why are they not being disbarred as lawyers? Because, I mean, they're basically just committing fraud. They're lying or, like, you know, they're lying in public, but then when they go into court, these cases go nowhere. They just say, oh, we have all these affidavits, but, like, I could sign a piece of paper right now saying I saw some fraud. I could just make it up, and I could sign that it's true. I guess the threat is technically if you're caught lying, if you sign an affidavit that gets submitted to court, you could get into legal trouble and maybe, you know, a jail sentence or something like that. But that's only if they actually go to court. You can sign an affidavit and just give it to anybody you want, even your lawyer. That is not going to put you, you know, in hot water for lying. However, if any of these cases go to court, and we've seen this, right? People, even Trump's own lawyers have admitted to courts when they're on, you know, record with, you know, sworn in saying or admitting that there's really no voter fraud. So, you know, the week before they go to court, they'll yell up and down saying, we have evidence of voter fraud when they get to the courtroom when their own skin is in the game and they could be you know a charge for lying in a courtroom uh they admit that there's nothing to the case there's no fraud right and it's funny too because uh you know that there was a i think the new york times was reporting that um there there was a there's a there's a uh, investigation going right now that doesn't include anybody in the white house although it's not clear if uh, that'll stay that way. But basically, there's a pay-to-play for pardons, and uh, Rudy Giuliani immediately uh, came out and said when someone accused him of, like, looking for a pardon, there was some, like, uh, background reporting and anonymous sources saying that Rudy Giuliani had asked for a pardon. Rudy Giuliani called, you know, all of that lies. But I imagine, you know, like, this leak is uh, pretty suspiciously timed. Like, I I would put... uh, $10 $10 to charity right now that this investigation that, you know, the details got leaked are Rudy Giuliani and the fact that he's <laughs> accusing all the reports of it being him asking for a pardon, you know, the fact that he's accusing people of lying just makes me more sure that uh, it's actually him. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you think? Would you would you take that bet? Do you think Rudy Giuliani, I mean, whether or not this one <laughs> well, investigation I've is heard, the pay to play that Rudy did, do you, don't we'll you think that... We'll have to see. I've heard different things, like it could just be an inve- investigation that some lawyer somewhere was trying to do something. So I think we will have to wait to see on this one. But uh, some other funny news uh, the last couple of days is uh, after Bill Barr admitted that the Justice Department had found no evidence of voter fraud or widespread voter fraud, as Trump likes to say, uh, Donald Trump is apparently, uh, according to insiders, livid 
with uh, Bill Barr, and, and there's some talk that Trump might fire his attorney general in the last weeks before he's out of office. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's kind of funny because the writing is clearly on the wall, and some of the people around Trump who aren't parroting his lies about the uh, election being completely fraudulent, uh, I think they can read the, the writing on the wall, and they know that Trump is going to lose, and that very soon there will be a new Department of Justice, yeah. perhaps looking into whatever the things that are being said right now and the things that are being done, like what that was all about, and uh, is maybe going to rake the coals and look for some corruption. I think well, yeah. Bill Barr is smart enough to know that uh, <laughs> to know what's coming. Yeah, and I think the most important thing I, I was thinking of is, too, is uh, this is just the latest example of how uh, you can do 99.99% of what Donald Trump wants you to do, and if you skip out on that 0.01%, you are dead to him. Uh, right. You are the coffee boy who couldn't cut it and uh, wasn't capable of doing the job. Uh, so, I mean, this is, I mean, we saw this time and time again, right? So Donald Trump, apparently the, the press team basically said, we're not looking at firing Bill Barr. Uh, and if there's anything new with personnel, you'll be the first to know. But yeah, we've Kay seen this Kay time Kay and time again. Yeah, right. we've seen this time and time again. Remember when Tillerson, uh, it was leaked that he called Trump a effing moron. And then the Trump administration said, we love the work he's doing. We're not talking about firing him. And then they fired him like a week later. We've seen this right. you I know, think, before. I think this is good for Bill Barr because... What's funny about Trump, and he's shown this over and over, is that when people say, hey, we heard you're going to fire somebody, Trump hates the, the leak and then denies it, but then has to keep that person on for at least a couple weeks <laughs> to still yeah. continue pretending that it was a lie and fake news before he inevitably fires it. So it's, it's kind of funny. We, like anybody who might be fired, we should leak that news just to keep, you know, like Bill Barr at this point. Every single week that all these people stay in their jobs and don't get replaced by somebody willing to tell Donald Trump, hey, you're right. The election was all fraudulent. You know, that's like that's good for democracy. Every day we can keep the relatively sane yeah. people in their jobs. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's I, good I mean, for America. <laughs> I mean, that's just an interesting thing, too, is why would you get rid of personnel, especially the attorney general, just weeks before you're done? Uh, that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, that could be very indicative of Donald <laughs> it's Trump's. Like he, replaces uh, <laughs> Mike, like he replaces Mike Pence in the last like two weeks. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, this could be very funny. Look at this. It could be great if Donald Trump tries to get revenge on everybody. And if you talk about like the way historians are going to look at this, I mean, a lot of Trump's administration and his personnel choices has been about revenge, right? Remember Attorney General. Um, uh, Jeff Sessions, who fell by the wayside after he wouldn't do everything Trump wanted, and Trump called him Mr. Magoo, and he tried to personally sink his uh, a marble mouth southerner. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> right. you can make the case that Jeff Sessions, you know, who had a Senate seat for a long time, could not win that Senate seat again because Donald Trump wanted revenge, and you know he didn't, you know, campaign for him. He wouldn't say anything nice about him before the campaign, and yeah. uh, Jeff Sessions lost his seat. See, this is we've talked about this before, but that it that always kind of it's the question lingering over politics. Like, what sway will Trump have after he's gone? Like, if he says he's going to run again in 2024, which I think he might say that to raise money, but I don't think he's actually going to run again. And certainly, I mean, like all the reports coming out right now of like the state of New York, it just looks like the Manhattan district, the Southern district of New York, and then like New York state prosecutors, like they're just licking their lips for the second Trump's out of office, right? Yeah, And it's absolutely. the same thing with, like, the the report about, um, like, the judge releasing the classified details about the pay-for-play pardon. You think, there, like, Trump is not involved in any kind of, <laughs> like, abuse of pardon power? Like, that, uh, you know, that's... Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what comes out about that. I mean, again, like we've said this before, how many books right now are furiously being written every night when Trump staffers get home, they just get their laptop out <laughs> and are just writing down everything they remember. I mean, certainly after like uh, that book, Fury, uh, what was it, Rage and Fury or whatever, mm -hmm. all these books are coming out. Like, you know, if you're a Trump staffer and you've been there for many years, you know, why not start collecting receipts and, and write and like taking recordings of conversations and well, that's writing yeah. down all the notes? Think of John Bolton. Remember, everyone was saying is like, oh, yeah, I remember John Bolton took tons of notes. And, you know, you know, they said maybe you <laughs> yeah. know, we, we thought he might be writing a book, but we didn't think it would come out this quickly. Uh, I hope people saw that, you know, earlier this year and thought, 
hmm, I could make a lot of money by taking some notes and just writing right. what happened. Uh, and I hope I encourage any Republicans working for Trump to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I encourage, want to meanwhile, hear I those encourage Republicans in Georgia to not vote because you know what? Some of Trump's uh, fiercest defenders are right. The entire election's rigged. All you Republicans out there in Georgia, there's no hope for you to vote. <laughs> Just stay home on the uh, on the the election to appoint or to elect your two senators. Yeah. Uh, another uh, top news item I think <laughs> I love this week is uh, Ivanka Trump, and and this will be a, a nice segue into the talk about pardons. But Ivanka Trump apparently is in uh, hot water and potential legal jeopardy. Uh, after potentially being involved with uh, an alleged uh, inauguration scam, right. so she, she was got working. Deposed. Yeah, yeah, so she, had to she do was a deposition. working. Yeah, if you if you weren't following this, she uh, apparently you know while being assigned you know Donald Trump's uh, you know senior political advisor uh, and and getting a taxpayer funded White House job, uh, she was also working for the Trump Organization and working with the uh, election uh, committee. Um, and basically, she was in charge of the Trump organization's emails with the inauguration committee uh, and charging the prices for people to stay at the Trump hotels, uh, basically implying that, you know, that she might have been in a scam to profit off uh, hiking up prices at Trump hotels in a pay to play right. scheme in some way. Because, you know, Trump's getting uh, elected. The inauguration's a big event. So if you're a foreign entity or even American uh, special interests. If if you were gonna, you know, want to get in Trump's good graces early, you could rent out multiple rooms or or whatever it is. Right. Trump hotels for inauguration. Yeah, there was like a whistleblower. I not really a whistleblower, but I guess somebody that was working on that team that did all that had like voiced concerns that they were like gouging the government and that the you know Trump Hotel was paying like double the prices of market value. <laughs> and it's fascinating because uh, Ivanka then claimed that it was uh, that she, like that everybody was being vindictive, like all of mm -hmm. these uh, prosecutors were being vindictive and going well, after Democratic her for political DC reasons. Prosecutors, yeah, right? That's what she called but them. so so in the deposition, that's what she said. And I believe at some point she pointed, she like brought an email that she sent, basically. Like she wrote an email to people saying, "Hey, like, you know, do the market price or whatever." Fair market that, price. Yeah, fair market price. And she pointed to that email as a defense, but that's that's like ludicrous. Like, if you're a murderer and before you kill someone, you just send them an email saying, "Hey, I'm totally not going to murder you right now." Yeah. And then you get caught for murdering them, and you say, "Look at this email. I'm completely innocent. I said I didn't do it." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it seems well, like a pretty uh, flimsy defense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, so those, uh, any other news items you want to talk about before we get into the, uh, issue of pardons? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, are there any other, like, issues that Trump would pardon? Oh, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. You know, the whole idea of Trump pardoning himself is because, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of federal crimes. You know, he obviously has been screwing with his, like, federal taxes. But mm -hmm. it's hilarious when you, like, game out, uh, like, what, what does he do if he pardons himself, right? Because he can pardon himself for crimes he's already done. I think even maybe Trump would maybe... Uh, you know, in his uh, complete ignorance of the law, admit that he can't pardon himself for crimes he will do in the future. But so the thinking is, if he pardons himself and gives himself like a new slate, which again, this is all hypothetical, because I personally think it's bullshit that you can pardon yourself. But let's say he pardons himself, clears the slate. What does he do then for his taxes, right? Because yeah. all this time, <laughs> he's been lying on his tax returns and been committing like wire fraud and tax evasion and all this stuff, right? So like he he uh, he hypes up his properties when he's selling them and marketing them, but then on taxes he acts like all of his properties are worthless, so he doesn't pay any taxes, right? So if he gives himself a clean slate, what does he do then with all of the you know presumably 2021's taxes will have to be way different than 2020 and 2019 and so yeah. on backwards? These taxes, you know, for him to not be committing more fraud that doesn't go with this pardon, it's like all of a sudden his like 20. 21 taxes will have to be like hey state of new york i uh found three billion dollars or you know worth of property values that i didn't claim yeah. last year you know uh -huh. so it's it's like it's really really funny that like if he tries to like uh you know if he pardons himself and cleans up his taxes it's basically like giving the playbook to the state of new york on all the properties and areas to uh prosecute him on state charges 
Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and that's a good overview of the situation we're in now, looking for the the next forty nine days or whatever it is until Biden's elected. But uh, so you know, the interesting thing to preface this is, I think we could talk a little bit about the power of pardoning. Uh, by itself, which is kind of interesting, because I mean, if I remember, and I always laugh about this in my own head, uh, you know, Donald Trump likes to think that uh, he likes to think. And if you listen to him, he says this all the time, that Article two of the Constitution gives him unlimited power uh, and that nobody, quote, nobody ever talks about it except him, of course, and that Article two in the Trumpian way of describing things, give him power, gives him power that almost no one can even imagine. You know what I mean? Which is really funny because Article two of the Constitution is not that long. Uh, there's not that much to it. The Constitution as a whole is not even that long. So Trump is acting like no one's ever read the Constitution. Yeah. And he's talking Except like there's famous, <laughs> famous constitutional scholar, Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing. It's like he acts like there aren't a, an entire profession of, of lawyers and uh, attorneys who specialize in this kind of thing. Uh, you know, especially the White House, uh, <laughs> you know, attorney and lawyers who work for the office of the president. Like that's their job to know it, too. Um, but anyway, so looking at Article 2, uh, Section 2, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution is the uh, only part of the Constitution that talks about pardoning. And it says, uh, uh, the president, he, uh, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So kind of starting off here, that's kind of an interesting thing. It's very short, right? So uh, a lot of the things we're going to talk about today uh, really are interesting because this whole power of the pardon, especially with a unjust president who's out of his mind and wants to do whatever he wants. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like the Wild West, right? Uh, there's a lot of things that people think, you know, would happen if Trump tried to pardon certain people or himself. Uh, and then there's things that uh, that's actually held up in courts over time, right? And and the most important thing here is that a lot of the theoretical and legal ideas about the power of being uh, the power of the president's pardon, uh, really, we don't even know because it's never been to a court. Um, so, uh, for example, Richard Nixon, right? When he got pardoned, he was pardoned for crimes he may have committed. Uh, famously, he wasn't actually convic- uh, uh, convicted of anything, right? And he hadn't been technically accused of any uh, specific crimes yet. So some people say, can you really pardon something for something they may have done? Or do you need to pardon for uh, someone for a specific crime that they are accused of? And that's just something, you know, you know, uh, President uh, Ford or Carter never took it to court. So, like, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, so that's just one of those things is like a lot of this topic and discussion, like we literally don't even know uh, what's possible, what's capable, what's legal, because uh, it's never really been tried. Uh, any comments on that? Uh, I think for sure that we should change this and not make this an ambiguous gray area in the law. Like mm-hmm. Ford <laughs> wanted to just kind of change the subject and move on. But I mean, like some of these crimes, like especially when it comes out with like the money laundering and all of these foreign entanglements, like these are just it's so much more like what Trump has done is so much more egregious than what Nixon did, because Nixon, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was like a conspiratorial kind of dick. (laughs) But uh, I guess no pun intended with Dick, given his name Richard. But uh, but like, I mean, essentially, (laughs) all he really did was uh, lie about a cover-up, you know, he helped cover up and lied about it, even though he himself did not necessarily participate or plan the actual breaking into the Watergate and everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trump, I mean, like the crimes just are so high, and you for and we need to get rid of this ambit, uh, ambit. Hold on, what's that word? Ambiguous, yeah, yeah the ambiguous, ambiguous <laughs> gray area in the law. Because yeah, you like the whole idea of a legal system existing at all goes out the door when like the president can just blanket pardon for what every single law in the book. So like any jaywalking yeah. or thievery, well, <laughs> you know, that Trump did that that's off the wall because he, or it's off the, uh, the docket because he pardoned himself for every single law in the entire code of law. Well, here, here's the interesting thing. And I think this uh, topic so fascinating because if we, if we add a little history into this, if you look at the power of the pardon and where it came from, uh, like you know most of our legal code, it came from England, right? Um, so uh, historically, uh, the idea that the executive, in England's case, the king, could pardon people uh, really came from the fact that England had a very ridiculously tough legal code. Uh, they made tons of stuff, capital punishments for like petty crimes, petty theft. 
So England had basically made over the 1600s, 1700s, and 1800s basically a ridiculous legal code where if you did almost anything wrong, you could get the death penalty. So to some degree, you know, that was really good for the state government of England to control the people. Uh, But then the idea that pardon, you could pardon an individual and save their family, you know, a loved one being killed for petty theft, basically, or any number of things, for example, like cutting down a tree in the wrong place, of all things. Uh, it was the idea was that the king could look good to the people by reprieving people's uh, sentences, whether confinement in prison or capital punishment. Uh, so obviously, that idea of the executive being able to pardon people if the legal code is unjust or if the legal code didn't work as maybe intended, or if, if the executive felt that someone kind of got the raw end of the stick. Uh, That's really where the idea of the pardon comes from, right? So if you look at the history of the pardon, in America even, uh, a lot of the people who've been pardoned in the past, whether, you know, one of the the first high-profile ones was uh, uh, George Washington pardoned the uh, leaders of the uh, Whiskey Rebellion, right? So uh, basically what that was was the president and uh, multiple other pardons early in the history was just People, uh, president pardoning people who, you know, felt like maybe they had gotten too strong a sentence or maybe they should be forgiven, right? Other cases were were people where the president thought they might have been innocent, right? So, I mean, that's like the idea of the executive being able to pardon people, period. So now with Trump, I mean, it's like the idea that he's literally just going to pardon anybody who did anything illegal personally for him, right? This is not Trump saying, oh, the legal code did not work well, or, you know, it really hurt someone who shouldn't have gotten in that much trouble, or, you know, maybe I don't think they should have gotten, you know, capital punishment for that. He's basically just saying, and, you know, in in some way, you know, making a mockery of the legal system by saying, if you did anything illegal for me because I told you to, or you somehow benefited me and my family, I'm just going to give you a pardon so you suffer no consequences whatsoever, you know? Yeah, and, you know, the whole idea of no one being above the law. Exactly. That essentially puts the president, like, you know, above the law. <laughs> you know, if you drew it on a picture, yeah. you know, the president, and then below that, the law. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do want to say real quick, this is something that really bothers me, because a lot of conservatives now, you saw there was, like, a viral tweet about, like, uh, how, like, you know, he should pardon his kids because the, you know, the kids have suffered oh, yeah. enough. Like total <laughs> bullshit called on that. Donald Trump Jr. is like almost 43. Like this month in December, he's going to turn 43. I looked it up earlier. Avanka uh, is like 39 and Eric is like 37, give or take a year on the last two. Um <laughs> They are not kids. This is not, this is not like a, you know, even Michael Flynn's son was like, what, like 26 or something? And, uh, you know, they, you know, part of Michael Flynn's plea deal when he pleaded guilty twice, <laughs> you know, he just got pardoned despite pleading guilty and everything, and then trying to undo his guilty plea. But, like, part, you know, part of the yeah. reason he pled guilty in the first place was so that his son wouldn't get prosecuted. But if you want to talk about vindictive, it would be funny, I guess, if, yeah. like, you know, we then Democrats looked into and prosecuted Mike Flynn's son now. <laughs> like, well, yeah. okay, you're getting a pardon, <laughs> but, well, you know, your kid did some of the crimes, too. Lied yeah, well, about it. Well, yeah, and, and I think you're spot on with the idea that Republicans are saying, like, the kids of, you know, Donald Trump's kids have been through enough. And it's like, I, first off, like... And, and on top of it, like, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump made, like, $36 million last year. They've yeah. suffered. She has a <laughs> yeah. job she doesn't deserve and has no experience in government or public well, not service only or does anything. She, not only does she have a job, she has a taxpayer-funded government right. job in the White House. These are political appointees getting paid by taxpayer dollars and doing things on behalf of the country. You know, as a liberal, I might say they're doing bad things to the country. And, you know, so and, and, and also like even Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, uh, who don't really have government jobs in the White House like Ivanka and Jared Kushner do, but they are still working for the Trump organization, which Trump himself has not divested from. So right. their interests and Donald Trump's interests and Ivanka and Jared Kushner's to some degree, right? Uh, since they're probably not divested either. I mean, they're you know they are profiting off this administration. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump running the Trump org are literally getting like money from foreign governments who are buying out entire floors of, you know, Donald Trump's properties and giving him money as a pay to play scheme, right? It might not be literally 
like you know those leaders saying hey we are doing this to pay to play but again just because it's you know you don't say it's a quid pro quo doesn't mean it's not a quid yeah, pro quo yeah. no one ever says it out loud as they're yeah. doing it hey everybody quid pro quo right here well another um, thing is too all of his kids are some of the most prolific uh, bullshitters on social media. So, I mean, look, right. Donald Trump Jr. himself has profited handsomely from writing two dumb partisan political-themed books whose whole purpose <laughs> is to profit off Donald Trump's role as president and to own the libs. So to say that, like, these people are just harmless children of the president who've been dragged in the mud, like, this isn't like, you know... I, I, I remember reading about, like, the flack that Chelsea Clinton got uh, among right-wing comedians and stuff and right-wing pundits and commentators who would criticize the way she looked. Like, it's not like a 13-year-old in the White House. Like you said, these Donald Trump's kids are in their late 30s, early 40s, and they're working as, like, uh, you know, paid uh, employees of the federal government. So if they committed crimes, I think they should be held accountable, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, Joe Biden was asked if he's going to like, you know, look at, into and investigate some of this Trump stuff. And I think Joe Biden had a smart answer where he said, obviously, like, you know, I'm, you know, the president is separate from the Department of Justice, or at least should be, you know, That's true. so he personally is not going to do it, which is kind of a smart answer that also leaves you the opportunity then to just, you know, not get in the way of your, your attorney general going to investigate all the Trump stuff, which I think they absolutely should. I think the arguments of like, this will turn us into a banana republic, like bullshit. No, we're already a banana republic with Trump and all of his kids acting like this and getting rich off the government. That's what's banana republic-y. It's, yeah. you know, then going after it and saying, hey, let's look into this. Like, why did this, you know, uh, what was it? The Cutter-backed companies like the sovereign fund that bailed out jared kushner's billion dollar mm -hmm. debts on that 666 uh, uh what was it fifth avenue property yeah. you know and then like uh jared kushner and uh uh like he just went to saudi arabia for that high level meeting like okay what what are you doing right now are you setting up your financial options on the payback on the back end from all the crap you did for saudi arabia like, this is complete bullshit. It's banana republic to let them get away with this. And, you know, it's like Democrats never seem to squander an opportunity to not take the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. um, this, like, not only is it the just thing and the right thing, it's politically amazing. If you could go through and investigate all of this stuff and get evidence of wrongdoing, that will help Democrats so much politically because, like, you know, literally 80% of Republicans think Joe Biden is the fraudulent winner of the election and is not, yeah. not a legit person. All of these supporters are going to be following, you know, Trump's Fox News program or his OAN, you know, radio show or whatever it, you know, the Trump News Network, whatever it is, they're going to buy everything Trump does. And, you know, Trump's just going to tell these people that he's running for president to profit off them and keep all their money, all their donations. Like Democrats have to destroy this like fascist bubble. And the best way to do that is to have the Department of Justice look into all of the wrongdoing, all of the, you know, stealing our tax money, all of these uh, stimulus programs and loans that trump and jared kushner's family companies got for the stimulus for covid like all of this stuff is politically expedient it's the right thing to do and like we're a banana republic if every president just gets the free pay it's like we were talking about in the last podcast how in haiti every dictator yeah. they always had that unwritten rule that if you have a coup and overthrow the government you don't kill the guy who you took the power from because you're gonna get a coup is gonna take you next year and you yeah, want to be exactly. able to walk away with all the money like that is what's gonna ruin america forever if yeah. you know every republican president from here on out is like well clearly i should run for president because it's a get out of jail free card it's a no indictments for as long as i'm in office card and you could just you know have a hotel and have every foreign company or uh, country that wants your business or policy or whatever you know just buy out a whole floor for a week well i mean to throw a little more history at it that's literally what happened in the the last days of the roman uh, republic uh basically you had 
uh, military generals and uh, who became career politicians. And then you're just regular oligarch family, you know, prodigal sons, uh, career politicians. They got to a point where the government and the uh, political system became so corrupt that anyone who wanted political power had to go into debt, had to take out massive loans, had to get help from other oligarchs, and had to break the law to, uh, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back thing. So it got to the point where you had to stay in political office because you had to get to any level of political power, you had to break so many laws and do so many immoral, unethical things that if you left power the courts would come after you you get sued you lose all your money and probably end up on the street or you know uh gotten capital punishment right so that first triumvirate uh you had three people basically who were all in on it together saying we need to share power because all three of us got to the top of the pyramid of roman political power and if any one of us leaves uh we're going to be fucked by the legal system and end up penniless or dead so we all need to basically keep this thing going and then julius caesar you know just took power among the three uh and that's essentially how the the roman republic ended in a very you know (laughs) kind of quick uh uh, concise way yeah that's an interesting idea like the legal death of the roman uh roman republic Without going too far down a rabbit hole, would you say we're like American democracy is like basically in that kind of like Roman esque decline? I mean, if you look at like Kelly Leffler, who gets that like Senate seat that, uh, you know, because her husband is like literally the it doesn't he isn't he president of the company that like runs the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah, and she's the richest senator like. You know, like and then like, no, the that's fact literally that, how like, it is. I mean, if you look at the uh, Roman Republic. One of the biggest complaints is, uh, you know, all these Roman politicians, you know, going all the way to Julius Caesar in the executive branch of government. You know, they were able to do what they were able to do because the uh, Senate, which, you know, for hundreds of years had been this esteemed, like most amazing, you know, Republican institution of the Roman Empire. Um, you know, the Senate was seen as like the will of the people uh, and the Senate by the time of the uh, triumvirates basically they had just been filled with, you know, the rich oligarchs whose, you know, right. families could trace like senators going back hundreds of years almost or decades at least. Uh, and they just had no political will to do anything. And they were all so in on the system and profiting off of it that like they couldn't do anything, nor would they want to. And like, just yeah. the, I mean, I think about that all the time when you look at like someone like Louis Gohmert, who's just a certifiable, uh, certifiable, objectively dumb person. It's like when you have someone who is a moron who only won a, a House of Representatives seat because they had an R or a D next to their name. Like that's because like it's so gerrymandered. Exactly. It's like, well, that's right. where the Roman Republic was, where all the senators had no had no political courage, no political will. And a lot of them weren't even very capable individuals, you know, in a productive sense, because they're the great, 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 great grandson of, you know, a long line of senators before them. And, you know, a rich family whose entire, you know, way of living is just sucking off, you know, the Roman, right. you know, I guess, I don't know what to say, like the, the system, you know? So. Yeah. And that's what's so frustrating because, like, we don't have quite that, like, dynastic level of control of our political system. But mm-hmm. certainly it's like a, a it's a, you know, if it's not full on oligarchy yet, it's a proto oligarchy. The fact that, like, so many people in Congress are so rich and the fact that the Republican Party, like, literally in, like, scientific studies, you know, you can show that almost every policy that gets written into law and like debated from the republican party like benefits the one percent yeah i mean like and, and then like mitch mcconnell like the senate majority leader his wife is tapped to be the like the secretary of transportation like to help you know facilitate the relationship between uh you know the senate majority leader and then this like purely you know wannabe fascist dictator demagogue who's literally has no business being in politics like donald trump is obviously who i'm talking about so it's like here i'll throw i'll throw a bone to the senate majority leader to you know have him be quiet on all the stuff that i'm doing or not doing that's illegal or terrible right i'll have his wife i'll give his wife a job um it's it's like so depressing when you think about that the fact like just the idea that you know the republican party has gotten so like debased and so like pavlovianly um kind of like fucked with on like just by terrible uh 
illogical and irrational right-wing media that someone like Donald Trump could get elected, you know? And now, again, it's like 80% of Republicans believe that the actual winner of the election uh, is is not the real winner. And that number is only going to go higher as Trump is doing all of these videos about these affidavits and stuff like that. Like, you hear this all the time from conservatives, like, you know, uh, senators all across uh, the country, you know, even like someone like, uh, like here in Missouri, um, Roy Blunt, like one of the most senior Republican senators, like wouldn't commit to saying Joe Biden is the president elect, you know, like he's been in office forever, long time incumbent, his whole family is lobbyists. he just won re-election, so he's got like, uh, I think at least four years now to uh, stay in office, like what does he have to do that for, Trump's, Trump lost, he's not going to be in office, like, you know, like, uh, like what happens and we were talking about this before and it kind of gets to that topic of like what is donald trump going to do when he's out of office you know does every republican who's not going to run oh yeah and this is a good allegory i heard it was it's like the idea of the cat of the mice putting the bell on the cat so that all of the mice know when the cat's coming right like mm-hmm. uh donald trump is the cat like in the primary every republican right wanted trump out of the race and knew he would be terrible and so all of the mice want the bell on the cat, but the one mouse that has to go up and put the bell on the cat, you know, that's like a suicidal, uh, you know, last ditch effort. Yeah, career ender slash sacrifice, you know. So no Republican wanted to be that mouse putting the bell on the, the cat, um, even though it's better for all the mice. And it's the same thing now. Like, uh, if Trump, you know, if he's going to run again or just, you know, flirt with it for four years but never actually run, like... Mike Pence, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Nikki Haley, all the Republicans that want to run, right? What They're just literally, none of them are going to be the mice that wants to go put that, uh, get that 80% of Republicans who think Donald Trump's the real winner of 2020. Yeah. You know, it's, it's depressing. And like, it all goes back to that idea of like, are we just in decline? Like, we're the late stage Roman Empire just... You know, our political system had a great heyday, and now well, I mean, it's that's like the imploded. that's a danger, right? And it's hard not to think that when you see such you know heroic right. uh, profiles and courage from the Republican Party right now. I mean, you have yeah, how many Republicans was, in the Senate voted to even hear witnesses during the impeachment debate? Right? right. What a joke! They wouldn't even they, that had nothing to do with even impeaching him. It was just hearing a witness and getting the allowing right. the investigation to take its uh, well. You know, and they knew form. it would make Trump look bad, and yep. it would make them all look worse because after having witnesses and you know it's like and it gets back to the idea of the pardon right like how are we a how are we a government at all if the president gets elected pardons people commits all these crimes pardons people to stay quiet steals all this money and then pardons himself and his kids well here's like, another thing a, too i mean if, if uh i mean mitch mcconnell is going along with it because he wants to keep control of the senate but i mean you got to think like uh senators like murkowski right or uh, Collins, like they they just won re-election. They're senators. They don't have to worry about re-election for six more years. Why don't you just punt the football, do what you know is right, and just hope right. like Trump is not a force to be reckoned with six years from now when you have to worry about re-election. Like yeah, I mean, you're like talking about all these old senators. Aren't you going to yeah. retire in like one term? You know, after you know six more years is up. Like, do you want to be eighty? Like, you know, you can you can do what's right and have six years now to like plan your retirement and or you know your cushy you know lobbying <laughs> yeah. job afterwards. Well, any senator who's in his eighties right now and you know was born in like uh, what would that be eighty years ago? 19. So nineteen forty. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, think of the world in America you've seen and Donald Trump is a president. Like if you're in your 80s, like, my God, like you can't like, do you really expect you're going to live forever? Are you going to serve another five terms? Like why? Why? Like w- at what point uh, do you step up and serve your country in the way that like, you know, right. right? I mean, that's the kind what what did uh, who was it? Uh some reporter uh, basically like threw under the bus like the 21 Republicans who personally told him they hate Trump and think he should like just admit Biden won. Um, like that's 21 senators who uh, have privately said to an individual, yeah, we yeah. know this is wrong. Ben Sass got caught like he, you know, I, I think it was like some donor or something that leaked it on a call to donors. Yeah. 
or maybe he leaked it just to make himself look good retroactively to say, hey, look, I told my donors. But he was saying that, you know, Trump's like destroying the party and everything. Yeah, like exactly you said, Ben Sass knows all of this is fucked up and wrong, but he's not going to he's not going to be that mouse that goes put and puts the. But, you know, the the that allegory doesn't even really apply because all you know what you have to deal with some mean tweets. Yeah. What? So what? The, you know, all of these idiots that, you know, they already obviously swing on a dime anyway. All of these voters are just going to say Trump was a Democrat all along. If all this fraud and stuff comes out, you know, all of them, eh, he voted for Hillary and gave Hillary money. He was a secret Democrat all along. Like these yeah. voters, like consistency and logical continuity is not really their interest, obviously. If you're following Trump for four years, you know, uh, that, you know, logical coherency is not your strong suit. Yeah. Well, that was a uh, kind of long digression, but back to pardons. Uh, one other thing <laughs> I wanted to make sure we put in, which I think is a fascinating topic because I did not know this. I was under the impression uh, that if you took a pardon, you had to admit guilt, right? Like that's the idea that if you, because, well, he, he, here's the most important thing to say. So, you know, when people talk about, oh, the president's power for pardoning is absolute. Yes, that's technically true. But to frame it in a, in, in, to put it in some kind of reference that makes sense logically, the Justice Department actually has rules on how they uh, cover pardons, right? So the, the idea that if you're convicted of a federal crime and you write a letter to the government asking for a pardon, you write that letter to the Department of Justice and there's a attorney of pardons. Uh, so that letter goes to them, and the the rules that the Justice Department have are that if you want a pardon, they typically require anyone filing a petition for a pardon to, uh, one, get convicted. Uh, so they don't want to issue a pardon before someone's even convicted, because that's stupid if you're not even convicted and guilty. Uh, so that's one <laughs> yeah. thing. Two is they want you to serve your sentence, right? And on top of serving your sentence, they typically wait for five years after you've been convicted or released of imprisonment for uh, any type of confinement for uh, the crime. So the idea is that if you're going to file a petition for a pardon, you have to be guilty because why else would you get a pardon? Uh, one and number two is you have to serve the the sentence of the crime and then show afterwards that you are a responsible citizen who is following the laws after you've served your time. Uh, and that makes sense, right? Logically, theoretically, that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. C to me, couple right? that with Donald Trump, like yeah. Donald Trump pardons himself and goes <laughs> yeah. right back to yeah. just nonstop fraud, tax evasion, wire fraud. Yeah, but I mean, here, here's the caveat, right? So the caveat is that the the way we look at pardon is that Article 2 of the Constitution says that the president has the power of pardon. So the president does not have to follow those uh, laws at all. Or I shouldn't say laws, the rules and regulations of the Department of Justice, right? But that's a good way to frame this. So then we get into the whole thing is, like, if you take a pardon, like, normally you would be accepting guilt because you would have been convicted and you would have served time, right? So that's an interesting little part. But if the president does it preemptively, you could get into a legal and theoretically legal situation where, like, you might not have to admit guilt, right? Because uh, one way of looking at this is if, let's say, someone's convicted of a crime, the president hears about it, whether, whether from staff or on the news, and maybe the president thinks, whoa, 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 the jury and the judge were, like, totally wrong on this one. So the president could personally believe that the convicted person was not guilty. They were innocent and then give them a pardon on behalf of that belief. So in theory, in theory, that person accepting the pardon would obviously not actually have to admit he was guilty because if the president thought he was innocent and pardoned him on that belief, he would not have to say, yes, I was guilty. So that's an interesting thing. Uh, what I think uh, makes this case very funny is if you take a preemptive pardon for any crimes you may have committed, the idea is if you were Ivanka or Jared Kushner or Donald Trump Jr., why would you accept a preemptive pardon for a long period of time if you were innocent and never did anything wrong and weren't even convicted of a crime or accused of a crime, right? So, I mean, that's, that's a kind of a funny theoretical thought thing. Uh, yeah, I know, guess they would say just that it's vindictive and that it's all just for political reasons. That that's why they're. Uh, they're well, that's a uh, fascinating thing because uh, there have been previous court cases about this, and 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 legally, if you accept a pardon, you can no longer uh, plead the fifth. 
uh, if you are subpoenaed for information in investigations of other federal crimes. So that is an interesting thing, right? So if they're investigating the Trump Organization, which, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't think you can pardon a company. Uh, plus, it would be really weird if it was the president's company run by his own family. But if the federal government or state governments were to investigate the Trump Organization for crimes, which presumably, by accepting the pardon, you might think that Trump's children would probably be involved in, by taking the pardon, they would they would not be able to not uh, listen and follow a subpoena and give information because they can't plead the fifth, which is an interesting kind of thought. Uh, right. And that here's the most like important that. thing. Yeah, if you don't know this, the most important thing is if you get a federal pardon from the president, that only helps you against federal crimes against the United States. That does not help you against, say, the state of New York or the attorney general of New York uh, hounding you for crimes in New York State. So the idea is kind of funny. So, I mean, logically and theoretically, right, if the Trump organization all gets pardons for all the Trump children and Trump himself, if he pardons himself, it would be hard for them to take that pardon. And then when the New York state uh, attorneys come after you to then say, we took these pardons. We uh, basically may have committed federal crimes, but we won't admit it. Uh, how do they then say, oh, yeah, yeah, we if we can if we can if we committed any crimes, they were only federal crimes, no state crimes. Right. Which would be really interesting because the Trump organization exists within the you know jurisdiction of the Southern District of New York and Manhattan. Right. So that would be an interesting can of worms to see uh, if the Trump organization and the Trump family get uh, litigation for their potential state uh, crimes as well as federal crimes, even if they're pardoned. Right. And it is funny, you know, Michael Cohen is currently serving jail sentence for, I guess, New York state crimes, right? Yeah. Of which Donald Trump is individual one. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. it will be fun if like, you know, there's like literally somebody with a bunch of subpoenas just waiting on Marine One for when Trump, you know, takes Marine One <laughs> back home to Florida or wherever he's going to go, you know, mm-hmm. just... Oh, by the way, here's here's a stack of uh, subpoenas for like 7,000 crimes <laughs> that you are now currently uh, going to be deposed for. Well, yeah, whatever. And, yeah. And the whole pardon thing will be really interesting, too, especially because um, uh, there's going to be a pretty big legal question. And I have a hunch we will probably see this play out in courts. Uh, but the idea is that the president probably cannot pardon himself. Uh, now, where this idea comes from is actually a memo from the Department of Justice um, that, you know, they wrote this memo in relation to Nixon potentially pardoning himself before, you know, being convicted of any federal crimes in relation to Watergate. And the memo basically said, like, it is a belief of the uh, Department of Justice that a, a sitting president cannot pardon himself. Uh, because that would just fly in the complete, uh, completely fly in the face of our our judicial and legal system that, you know, with the central idea that no one, including the president, is above the law. Uh, so that uh, could come up with some interesting little things for Trump to try to get around that if he so choose. Right. One thing he could do is just try to pardon himself and hope hope that the Supreme Court will side with him, which would probably be hard to believe that the Supreme Court would say, no, there is one individual who's above the law, uh, because that makes no sense in the idea of America and our legal system. Or the second thing would be is if he were to, uh, let's say, invoke the 25th Amendment himself, uh, you know, because that's been done before. Uh, President George W. Bush, when he was going to be put under uh, for a medical procedure, uh, invoked the 25th Amendment to give Dick Cheney the power of the presidency while he was uh, incapacitated for the medical, um, uh, uh, whatever medical thing he had. Anesthesia? Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah for, oh, yeah, for a surgery, though? Yeah, yeah, for surgery. Uh, so uh, theoretically, Trump could invoke the 25th Amendment, give the power to uh, Mike Pence, get a pardon from acting president with full power of the presidency, Mike Pence, and then take over again. Um, but um, that would probably be hard to keep up in I would, court, too. I would love to see Fox News that night. Yeah. <laughs> As like or Sean Mike Hannity. <laughs> yeah, Sean Hannity. Yeah, specifically Sean Hannity, right. <laughs> well, Sean Hannity so, so, is saying that, you know, Sean Hannity was on TV, I think it was last night, saying that all of the Democrats are, quote, crazy or lunatics or something like that, and that Trump should pardon everybody in a circle right. because Joe Biden and the Democrats are so crazy right. and out to get them. 
Um, you know, I, I said this last podcast, but I want to reiterate it. The 2021 and possibly the entire presidency of Joe Biden, the uh, the theme and the slogan is going to be shut the fuck up to all the Republicans who are just completely uh, hypocritical on everything. When mm-hmm. like whether it's the debt, <laughs> you know, personal decency and integrity, you know, like appointments, pardons, like literally everything. The theme will just be shut the fuck up. Yeah. And, then, you know, what what would happen if, like, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't even want to do the whataboutism. Next, <laughs> what, next, what, next detail. <laughs> well, here, here's the, the craziest thing, too. Like, the if you suggest that the president could pardon himself, uh, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, because then what you're saying is that the president who really shouldn't, you know, there's a reason the Department of Justice doesn't work you know, directly for the president, right? It's supposed to be separate for the public trust and the good of the country. And because justice is supposed to be blind, right? All that uh, kind of theoretical, you know, sappy stuff, etc. But like, imagine if the president could legally forgive himself for any crimes. I mean, the president could literally do anything. I mean, I said this before, but like, the president could walk to the treasury every morning at 9 a.m., steal hundreds of freshly printed, you know, $100 bills, and then walk back to the White House and pardon himself at 9.15 a.m., 15 minutes later, and he could do that every day, and there'd be nothing the federal government could do about it, right? I mean, the idea that the president could pardon himself for anything, or especially just a blanket time frame of their entire presidency, essentially means that the president, I mean, there's no law involved with the office of the president, right? And I don't think that's something Republicans want. I mean, obviously, that would be pretty much a pretty bad thing for the institutions of the presidency, the White House, and our government. Uh, But, like, imagine another president doing that. Like, do they want Joe Biden to be able to break the law? Um, I mean, they wouldn't have liked it if Obama could do that, right? Yeah, and just say, oh, they're being vindictive. Look at me. They're investigating me for murder when I killed that guy on TV. They're just being vindictive. I pardon myself. (laughs) Well, I mean, imagine imagine the conniption fit if uh, in 2016, uh, or let's go back to 2012 when the whole Benghazi bullshit, uh, you know, the Republican partisan, you know, circus of Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. Imagine the conniption fit if Obama would have just pardoned everybody involved with Benghazi. You know, Susan Rice for talking on TV, Hillary Clinton for Secretary of State, right? The the far right would have just literally blown a gasket and, and, and screamed bloody murder if Obama just started giving out pardons for everything. Yeah. You know, say what you will about Sasha and Malia Obama. You know, their dad didn't have to ever pardon them. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't want to say that, like, uh, let me let me rephrase that a little bit like the Benghazi bullshit like obviously it was a terrible thing that happened however however how many Americans illegal. yeah well it wasn't a legal one and four Americans died uh, which is terrible but I mean w- we had 3,000 Americans die yesterday of COVID so little perspective we're having a, a 9-11 or a Pearl Harbor every single day uh, yeah on Trump's and Trump watch gave every, a- Trump gave a like a 48 minute speech about yeah. how he's he's going to have a second term. It's the most important speech of his life. Oh, that's so yeah. dumb. That's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's uh, another you got thing. Any more notes this'll, on the pardon well, stuff? Well, yeah, this will another interesting thing might be the Mike Flynn pardon because um, Mike Flynn was the uh, national security uh, advisor to President Trump at the very beginning uh, during the transition and uh, obviously the beginning uh, of his presidency, uh, Michael Flynn uh, lied to the FBI. And as far as the investigation, the Mueller investigation was going, a lot of that investigation that he lied about to the FBI about uh, had to do with uh, the Trump transition and uh, any wrongdoing with the Trump transition team and uh, undue con- collusion with the uh, the Russians prior to the election and during the transition, right? Uh, like famously, uh, if you don't know this, uh, Uh, In late 2016, obviously before Trump took power, uh, Obama's administration put some sanctions on Russia and Russia didn't respond in any way. And the Obama administration wondered why they weren't responding and what it came to be and what's part of the, uh, you know, was found in the Mueller investigation uh, was that Mike Flynn had basically told the Russians, don't worry about this. Don't do anything publicly. We're going to basically get rid of these sanctions once we come into power. Right. So when you're talking about collusion, 
Uh, one of the you know things people were saying is that might have been an act of treason on behalf of the Trump administration because we only have one president at a time. You know, someone who's not technically the national security advisor to the president can't go telling foreign countries how they should deal with the current president, right? That's unethical, immoral, and probably illegal. And that's one of the things, you know, the cacophony of Mike Flynn's um, uh, pardon, since it's for any and all crimes that may have been committed per the writing of the pardon, um, that's one of those things. Is I mean, that was breaking the law, possibly committing treason on behalf of Donald Trump himself. So if you talk about the Michael Cohen investigation where Trump is, you know, individual number one or whatever, I mean, a lot of these pardons we might see might involve people working directly for Trump. So the idea that Trump can pardon someone so that they can't be investigated or indicted when they were literally committing crimes on behalf of him uh, really makes it circumspect, right? If no one's above the law, I mean, that's something, if you go back to the Federalist Papers, uh, that was even, even before the Federalist Papers. In the Constitutional Convention, uh, I believe it was uh, Mason, one of the founding fathers, who, who made this case that, like, if the president has un, you know, uncontained power to pardon anyone he wants, he can just pardon anyone who breaks any laws for him. Uh, so therefore, the president would be above the law. Right. And I think that's, uh, you know, 250 years later, that's, you know, or 240 years later, case in point, Donald Trump is literally pardoning people who, unless Michael Flynn was literally pretending to be a shadow branch of the government that didn't exist, he was working for Donald Trump and breaking laws on behalf of Donald Trump. So at least one of the big founding fathers was literally concerned and terrified of this specific situation playing out in 2020 in the, the Trump administration. Yeah, it kind of depresses me to think about it because, um, like, you know, writing the Constitution and then some of the Federalist Papers, you know, in adopting it, you know, part of their thing was that the checks and balances were designed intentionally so that all of the officers in their various branches and positions of power would be that natural check and balance on any other branch getting more power because it would be at the expense of that officer uh, in another branch, which clearly is just not the case. You know, you look at like Republicans in Congress, you know, literally not even wanting to hear witnesses in the impeachment yeah. stuff. Like clearly, you know, that idea of the Congress you know, checking the executive because it would subtract from their own power. Like, that's not the case. You look at in terms of like all these wars that the president can start, the Congress doesn't want to put their name on in terms of voting. Mm -hmm. um, like another example, uh, I think Democrats are like, you know, it's like maybe Trump can have some good on like a good effect on government in terms of like exposing all of these giant flaws and oversights. Um, and then making things more airtight so another Trump can happen. And I really hope Democrats, like the Department of Justice, investigates all this and that, like, the, you know, Democrats in Congress can, I, you know, I don't care how they get it done, but we need to, you know, reform, like, you know, the legal system, some of these laws, uh, you know, clear up in the law about, like, pardoning, presidential appointments, you know, like all these things Trump has gotten around that uh, really need to be cleaned up. Because, I mean, this it is kind of like it's so depressing when you think about it after a while. I mean, again, we're lucky Trump's an idiot. We've said this yeah. a lot. You know, <laughs> if Trump was actually capable and actually understood how government worked and, you know, wasn't so lazy and <laughs> adverse to reading, you know, like like we're in real trouble. You know, somewhere there are, uh, you know, there are Republican senators and officials and party people writing down notes of holy crap. You know, if I can do what Trump is doing. You know, he got away with it. If I can do it and actually do it intelligently, you know, like Ted Cruz is probably, you know, he's probably writing the Ted Cruz version of Mein Kampf right now and planning out how he's going to abuse all these laws and oversights and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100 uh, percent. Like, imagine if you had a, a real Machiavellian character who was intelligent uh, as president and not like just, you know, a reality TV star who was objectively right. a failure at business, <laughs> yeah. which was and really, you know, card. 
we're lucky because Trump's like a narcissistic, like idiot and a kind of a sociopath in terms of like personal relationships, surely. But we're lucky that he doesn't really care about political power because he doesn't understand it and he doesn't understand the application of political power in our government. We're lucky that he's really just concerned about making money. And, you know, he's used foreign policy like, and fake in image all kinds he of wants to create out of thin air. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So all of yeah. the stuff he has done in really ill-advised and illegal and immoral ways has always really been to enrich himself or just, you know, make him feel good about being, you know, such a big, <laughs> big, important person. But man, Ted, someone like Ted Cruz, who like doesn't care about money, you know, doesn't necessarily care about like just the superficial vanity of like, a, you know, of a, a, a real uh, like a television reality star. You know, he's a person who probably, you know, he's been saying, I want to be president since like middle school or whatever. That's a person, you know, we need to close these loopholes before Ted Cruz <laughs> ever somehow gets into office. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, if he ever gets the uh, nomination, it's like a 50-50, right? That's a scary thing. People were convinced yeah. that Hillary Clinton wouldn't lose. But, I mean, presidential elections, at the end of the day, historically, are pretty much 50-50. So. Yeah, I think on a party note, then, uh, I would want to say that uh, voters should stop voting with assumptions like you're you can't you know it's the same thing with brexit everybody you know people were voting for brexit even though they didn't want it just for the statement because they thought it would never pass same thing with trump you know i'm sure there are a lot of people who voted for trump just to try something new or because they wanted to you know say fuck you to the dnc if they're like hardcore liberals you know far left liberals or they didn't vote at all because they're like ah hillary will win whatever i don't mm -hmm. care i don't have to go vote yeah. You know, let's stop assuming the outcomes of elections and using our assumptions as an excuse not to vote, not to get involved, not to care or pay attention. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You got any last closing thoughts? We're at an no. hour now. No, that's it. All right. Man, it's it's depressing about Trump's kids, isn't it? <laughs> I hope they go to jail. There's they're just kids. Yeah. <laughs> poor poor little Donald Jr. Yeah, he, only, <laughs> he he wrote a book and, he, and made a couple million dollars yeah. to own the libs, but poor Donald Trump Jr. He, you know, I love the idea that, you know, all of the Trumps, Trump himself, you know, Donald Trump himself, uh, you know, they don't deserve this. Like, you know, they threw away riches. Like, they would have made so much more money had they not been <laughs> in the White House. It's like, give me a break and cry me a river. Like, oh my gosh. Plus, it's not even true because the amount of money that they've made from the government is offsetting the staggering losses from Trump's like golf courses and stuff. Like even his hotels like aren't that profitable. Well, I golf think at courses, the end of the yeah. day. What well, I mean, we'll see like, what happens. In he Scotland. might lose Scotland. Actually, yeah, he's going mean, to lose Scotland it. Actually, might him too quite possibly. For, I think uh, there were yeah. some people in, in the Scottish uh, government. Uh, <laughs> figuring that if Donald Trump has broken tons of uh, tax laws in America, he probably did it in Scotland too. So maybe they yeah. should investigate. Um, yeah, I was reading in Scotland that they have like pretty strict laws where you have to be able to prove that the money and loans didn't come from illegal sources, which I'm going to guess Trump can't prove that <laughs> given <laughs> that he went on like a giant cash spending spree, like, you know, in 2006 and around that time period, like after a pretty, uh, substantial bankruptcy <laughs> you know kind of being on the, the the cusp of poverty i guess yeah <laughs> you could say he's he trump's had a couple comebacks of suspicious cash spending <laughs> you know which one of his uh sons for better or for worse admitted came from russia <laughs> both of them did yeah. separately on yeah separate we get most of our funding from sources. russia yeah right all right, uh, everybody, thanks for listening to our podcast on pardoning. We're Brain Milk Podcast. Check out the Halfway Post. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. And enjoy the guitar solo. Mm -hmm.